Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yeah. How you doing? How are you doing? I'm a little... I'm not, I'm not coming on to you like Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> Which, by the way, I know that how you doing is Joey's catchphrase. Yeah. But on my other podcast, and this is a plug, my other podcast, the one where I met your mother, where my wife and I watched an episode of Friends, an episode of How I Met, met Your Mother, we are more than halfway through the third season of the show, and Joey has not said how you doing. So oh, I don't know when exciting. that... I don't know when that comes up because meanwhile, like by this point, Barney on how I met your mother has two dozen catchphrases. That he sure. through. Um, I don't know when Joey starts actually saying how you doing. Don't anybody tell me, but listen to the one where I met your mother and you can hear me uh, discover it for the first time. Whenever. Yeah. That's, happens. that's kind of, I, I don't know. It's kind of neat. I like the idea of a show as much as I never particularly cared for friends, I do like the idea of a show sort of stumbling onto a catchphrase as opposed to thinking in terms of like, we need a catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do like that. Uh, but to answer uh, your question, we, we, oh, go ahead. Uh, I am a bit under the weather. Listeners yeah. can probably hear that. Uh, my, so here's what happened. Uh, I started teaching, uh, my, I started my semester this week and I only recently uh, was assigned a class at a high school. It's, so it's all high school freshmen. Uh, it's, I know, well, there's that. Uh, I do think that's probably why I'm sick. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I was not keeping track of when the class started. So it started on Tuesday. Uh, and then I got the email Monday. Not that I had gotten the class. I already knew that. But saying like, okay, here's all the information you'll get, you'll need to like, you know, as far as uh, signing in and all that. And I was just like, oh. And, and normally, as you know, I'm not great with email, especially if it's something official like that. It's like, well, I've, I know how to sign in. I've taught at this school before. No problem. But I thought, you know what? I'll open that email anyway. So I opened it. I was like, oh, tomorrow. Like I thought it was next week. Uh, and I was like, if I had not opened that email, which yeah. I was very likely to not do. Um, I would not have shown up the first day and undoubtedly wow. would have gotten a phone call. But, um, and there's just, there are those moments, like I've screwed up enough in life that I really, I, I can't be sweating. I can't be sweating the moments when I almost screw up because then between the two, I have no time uh, for anything else, but I do have <laughs> moments where it's like a near miss. And I was like, boy, you, you can't, you can't, put this on you. you by which i mean like you can't say like oh uh it was because you thought ahead no i clicked on it randomly because hey why not and that was it it was i wasn't being uh uh i wasn't being thorough or anything like that i was literally just like uh just as a lark let's open up this email and uh discovered oh boy you gotta get you gotta be better at this man like you gotta start <laughs> knowing when the semester starts so suddenly i was like okay i guess i gotta put together the syllabus and all that kind of thing uh but anyway so yeah so i did go um my semester did start and as tends to happen uh similarly similar to when uh i was telling you similar to when i go to comic-con to suddenly be in the midst of large of large groups of people in this case high schoolers um i always get sick and so i really need to honestly i probably should have because they they also aren't requiring masks right now um and so i almost i probably should have just like thrown on them just done the comic-con thing 
started use and start using insane amounts of uh, hand sanitizer <laughs> and thrown on a mask just in case. Um, but yeah, so I am a little bit under the weather. I will try not to cough on mic. I'm sorry, everybody, for uh, my voice, sexy though it may be. Um, but uh, but yeah, and that's I'll the try real not problem. To... You should be apologizing for the distraction. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. People are not going to be able to hear what I'm saying. They're just only going to hear how I'm saying. It. So I get that. Uh, well, you know, um, I'm, you said you stress out about things you fuck up. I'm anxiety guy. I stress out about the things I might fuck up or, or that, that might happen in the future. And, um, uh, nowadays, Natalie is usually, usually there to, to talk me down. Something she had to, uh, uh, talk me down from this past week is my anxiety about the future of HBO max and Warner brothers and, and, and all of that stuff between them flat out, just canceling the Batgirl movie. Yeah. Um, and then the worries of what is going to happen to HBO max, especially, uh, original scripted series when they combine with discovery plus, um, which I guess technically they have merged, but it's app app wise. We're expecting the, the new app, the merger app, whatever it's going to be called um, <coughs> to go into effect uh, next summer, almost a year from now uh, is, okay. is when they're going to be one app, which I guess it'll probably save me a few bucks a month. Cause currently I have HBO max and discovery plus. So maybe As that's, do I. Yes. So maybe that's a, a, a minor upside, but there's a, a, a lot of worry about, HBO Max original scripted series, uh, especially like, um, well, like Jen, any, even ones that have already been made, like, uh, Jen saw that show, uh, run with, uh, Donald Gleason. I don't remember who the, 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 is it, um, is it Mara Weaver? Maybe. I never saw it, but I, Uh, I didn't either. She really liked it. She said I would like it. Uh, but it's been taken down along with a number of other things. Uh, just to, I don't know, make room or whatever. Some people said it has to do with royalties. Uh, but that's the thing is like, <coughs> yeah, me. I heard that like vinyl has gone. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm sure they're, they're taking them down because maybe they didn't get that many views, but now they're never going to get views. And some, maybe some people like myself just hadn't gotten around to them yet. And uh, you know that I hypothetically, that's my fault, but it is the idea of like, I don't know, just part of the appeal of HBO Max was having access to like every show they've ever made uh, in perpetuity. And yeah. th- and that was a lot of fun. Uh, like, that was oh, never, I can, what was that? Never quite true. There were always like some of the original movies because I remember, I remember specifically when we did our, when I was researching our Christopher Plummer okay. um, uh, uh, profile episode, there was a made for HBO movie um called winchell in which stanley tucci played oh, yeah. walter winchell and christopher Plummer played fdr in that and mm. i was like i would love to watch that it was not on hbo max oh that's interesting uh and then i don't know if arliss was ever available or i think <laughs> dream dream on was hbo i think right yeah sure and i don't think those Brian were available Benton, so right? so as far as the older you know some of the older shows maybe not but uh but yeah it's uh and now who knows where they're get, if they could ever be brought back or if they're literally just gone forever. I don't imagine there being a, uh, uh, physical media release of, of these things. So dream on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very disheartening, you know, to like a, a mindset in which, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm trying, I'm dancing around this because you and I have like made vows not to try and be like too political on here, you know, Sure. but some of the, I think the taking the capitalist mindset to its logical extreme, it becomes uh, almost malpractice for a company to merely make some money when they could be making more money. And, 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 and I think that's what this, like, it's not like Batgirl was going to lose money, but they just crunched the numbers and figured out as a tax yeah. write off, they can make more money that way. And, um, I, I guess it gets to the, the, the bottom of like, is every business just first and foremost, a money-making business before it is the kind of business that it is like, is, <coughs> is Warner brothers, a movie and TV studio first, or is it a revenue generating, uh, um, uh, outfit first. Well, I do think so having just taught this, this other uh, class, which involved uh, for the, uh, the, the out of the country uh, students that were visiting and I'm lecturing about like film history, but also the film industry. Uh, they did specific, specifically want me to talk about just sort of the, like the nature of the business. And so it's like, okay, well, that's a lofty idea, but in talking about like marketing, I talked about the different the different things that a studio might focus on while they're trying to sell a movie. And for the most part, it's like, okay, well, we this we want this movie to make a lot of money. So we're gonna try and get it, you know, sell it to as as many audience members as possible. But every once in a while, there's a movie that it's like, okay, this is not a moneymaker, but this is a prestige movie, you know. So this will get us uh, you know, some this could potentially get us some rewards. Uh, and some critical buzz or whatever. Uh, and because of that, we can sort of trick ourselves into thinking that we actually care about the art form. Uh, but in a, and, and so, and so, but I, I think one way or another, um, a, a movie like Batgirl is like, well, it's not going to get nominated for anything. It's not going to get like the prestige. And so since they're not going to get that payment, the only payment they do care about in that in that regard is just purely monetary and box office or, or streaming numbers, whatever you want to say. Uh, and so, yeah, this is it's where I, you know, being a uh, being a, a capitalist as I am, which is a weird thing to say. Um, I, I do often differ with like fellow conservatives when it comes to talking about art, because, yes, of course, certainly artists want to get paid. Uh, and that means that the viewer uh, or listener, whatever you want to say, has to pay for it. So in that regard, yes, it is a business, but it's also bigger than that. And it is about communication and all that. But that's me speaking broadly and abstractly as a as an academic and as a critic in the industry. I think you and I have have been studying this long enough to know that, like, I think it is a biz. I think most studios see themselves as a business first, especially when you're Warner brothers or Disney or Paramount or something like that. Um, I think they see themselves as a business first and they happen to be in the movie making business, but they could just as easily uh, go into some, into anything else as far as the, as far as many of the executives are concerned. 
um, I'm trying to remember who uh, there was a an interview with a with a filmmaker, and I can't remember what filmmaker it was. I'm sure the listeners remember. They went like sort of semi-viral within the film Twitter world not that long ago, where this guy was arguing that like it's not just about prestige and making good movies, like making good movies that don't make a gazillion dollars or maybe in some cases even lose money is still good business practice because it keeps movies as a medium and as a form sure. relevant. Um, and, and he, and, and I can't remember who it was, but he was like, Oh, you know, I think it was, um, uh, James, um, James gray. I think it might've been, uh, you know, um, the lost city of Zed and, uh, Oh, Oh, Oh yes. Okay. Yeah, I think that might have been who it was who was making this. this I argument mean, he, that if it, he would that be he, the one to make that argument because he makes yeah. really great movies that don't make a lot of money, and are, and generally are kind of expensive. And like, yeah. there are people like I, I'm sure his movies aren't like you know Marvel expensive, but you know a a period a location period piece like Lost yeah. City of Z is not is not cheap. Um, but he basically he was saying that like if you're always just going for the teenage boy demographic you're like you're going to get all of their money every time but yeah. you're limiting your pool to that and now other people beyond that no longer think of movies in general as for them and right. so you've cut off a part of the market yeah. um uh, i'm not going to be able to sleep at night for what i'm about to say but uh <laughs> The, it would seem that movies, the concept of movies uh, is itself a brand at this point. And <laughs> there are ways to build that brand uh, in, in a, in sort of a, uh, in a longer range kind of way, as opposed to like an immediate, like, all right, our brand is right now, our brand is whatever uh, sells right now, as opposed to, as he says, like thinking about the larger brand and how can we, you know, there, there are some, there are some, uh, there are some businesses or yeah, there are some businesses that like they, they, they show up, they come on strong and, and then they're gone. Like, for example, I was realizing like, Oh, Kmart, uh, was around for a few decades, uh, and then just burned out and it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, yeah. Macy Macy's on the other hand is like a legacy store. Uh, and it's always going to be around in some capacity. But is it? I mean, because no. I would have said the same about HBO and there's a chance sure. that HBO might not really be HBO anymore in, in yeah. a year or two. Um, yeah, you, you can you can never say, you know, what happened to Woolworths? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I was thinking about uh, Kmart because I moved recently and I realized that my former landlady, I'm going to pretend to give her the benefit of the doubt and say accidentally uh threw away our cooler um that we had um i don't know i guess i don't technically blame her because technically the part of the carport we were keeping the cooler in wasn't ours it wasn't a storage unit but sure. we kept other shit there and everybody who lived in the building kept certain things there why did the cooler suddenly disappear anyway maybe she just took it yeah um, maybe she wanted a cooler yeah maybe but anyway uh yeah, so I was like, shit, we don't have a cooler. Maybe I should go back to where I got that cooler, which was Kmart, the Kmart on, on third by the uh by the farmers market, and it's not there anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, of course, you you're referring to like your DVD copy of The Cooler with uh, William H Macy, right? Yeah, like I kept you, that you kept, kept in, the, this, in the carport. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, although, now that I have a garage, garage, I do actually have my. You've seen it. I do have my Blu-ray and DVD collection. Yes. In in the garage, um, but that's different than a, an outdoor carport. Yes, exa- um, exactly. I don't know. I guess we uh, said all we had to say about this. It is, I mean, it's, I, I, well, I'm nervous about specifically like shows that I like that are HBO max shows. Like um, the other two was a comedy central show in its first season got mm. canceled by comedy central, then got rescued by HBO max <laughs> had an amazing second season. And now there's a worry that it might get, might not get uh, picked up. There was a, um, a great show. Um, that only one season exists called somebody somewhere. It was an HBO oh, yeah. Max show. And that, that had been renewed for a second season, but I don't think they've shot anything. And now that's also one that like, I don't know. Uh, now they watch the flight attendant. I haven't watched it, but that's another one. Jen and I watched the first season of, I think it's Avenue five, which is like that sci-fi uh, sh- comedy with uh, Hugh Laurie. And we really liked that. And it announced that there would be a second season, but I don't think it was shooting because it was during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I could see that being kind of a pricey show and I don't, and it, it wasn't a show that a lot of people were talking about despite it having a pretty good cast. Uh, and I could see that one going away after the first yeah. season. So yeah, it's, it's too bad. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the, uh, at mean... the core of any kind of, at the core of any kind of concern, uh, about this sort of thing for you and me is there's stuff that we like and that we, you know, shows or movies that we believe in and we want them to continue. And that's, you know, it's, I'm not that worried about HBO as a corporate entity, except uh, in so far as how it, it, you know, anybody who, who worked for HBO talked about how they, in the, in the early days, like I remember Gary Shandling with Larry Sanders show said like, they just let me do whatever I want. They give me the opportunity to fail as opposed to trying to curb that idea mm-hmm. uh, constantly. Like they, they'll, they trust me. And so they'll just let me do what I want to do. And so I feel like that's, those days are probably over for HBO. Well, yeah, I mean, that, and that's Warner brothers too. I think for a <laughs> while there had a sort of reputation of being like, like the HBO or like the FX model, like we're not investing in a show we're investing in this artist, you know, and then they get to do, you know, Clint Eastwood yeah. can still do whatever the fuck he wants for, or at least could always yeah. could with, with, uh, um, with, with Warner brothers. Um, and I had another example and I can't remember what it, uh, what it was, but, um, Zack Snyder sure yeah kind of um, yeah maybe um but yeah i guess they're not gonna be doing it anymore i forgot I, I lost my train of thought um you know why uh, i lost my train of thought is because i was thinking about my tweaked audio.com earbuds um they're so great they're available at a low low price at tweaked audio.com um they uh what is it they, they look great they sound great tyler and i each use them each and every day they're available in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors okay we use them each and every day uh let's see today i was using them to listen to normally i try to highlight an album or 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 ep but sometimes i'll point out a a playlist um and uh stereogum.com released their annual listeners poll results of what is the song of the summer 2022 um and uh uh usually it's a new song but the stereogum listeners uh voted kate bush's running up that hill 
as Song of the Summer, but also some Beyonce and Harry Styles and some other uh, Bad Bunny, some other big summery names. So I was listening to that playlist, Sound of Great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. We're back. We're, we're back. <clears throat> we're back. And uh, why don't you tell us what we're talking about? This is your uh, uh, idea for a show I'm exci- or for a topic. I'm excited about it, although I am also concerned that you and I might be interpreting it in different ways, which sometimes leads to good conversations. Yes. Um, and that's a, a part of the reason that, uh, that we might be interpreting it, in, interpreting it in different ways is because I'm not a hundred percent sure what I mean. Uh, and so when I pitched it to you, uh, I gave you a couple of examples, mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, yes, okay, that's helpful. Um, but, yeah, but uh, I still, I, I still think that I want you to introduce it and use the word okay. you use to describe it because I think I might name it differently. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, yeah. I'm very open to that. I picked this word kind of because like, cause I needed something to call it. Um, so the word that I'm using is trivialization. Uh, the trivialization of movies in particular and maybe art in general, but I am not in a position to talk about art uh, in, because I don't know enough about it, but I do know but about you know movies. What you like. I know what exact. Yes, there we go. Um, and so I don't. I I can tell you exactly like wh- what happened, like where this came okay. from. So it's the fiftieth anniversary of The Godfather this year, and earlier in the year, I saw just a just a little snippet of interview footage. Uh, in which someone was talking with a, a gathered Al Pacino, Talia Shire, uh, James Kahn, RIP, um, Robert De Niro, uh, Robert Duvall. And I feel like there's maybe one or two others. I don't think, I don't think Coppola was there. I think they were just talking to the actors. Um, Diane Keaton. I, 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 yes. Diane Keaton. Um, and Marlon Brando and John Gazelle are exactly with us. Uh, along with yeah, various other people uh, throughout the the series. Um, What's his name? Um, Alex, uh, who played? Ro- uh, wait, Alex Rocco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Mo Green. Damn right. He, he he passed away, right? Yeah, you know what? I think he did a few years ago. He's one of the. I might be wrong. I, he was one of those guys that I was always like, well, oh, he's still around, um, but. Uh, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's gone. Yeah. Now. I passed in, in, in 2015, 2015. So it's been, yeah, yeah. been a little while now. So, um, so, you know, I was watching this snippet and the interviewer, I, I, I don't, I don't blame the interviewer. And yet somehow I'm furious. Um, 
the interviewer said, you know, uh, the Godfather taught us so many great lessons. And already just from his tone, I'm like, I'm going to hate, I'm going to hate what comes next. <laughs> he goes, the Godfather taught us so many lessons, but I, I think the one that maybe resonates the most is, um, uh, leave the gun, take the cannolis. And then of course the, the, the cast, they laugh politely. And I was just like, have you fucking seen the Godfather man? Do you know anything about the context of that line? Like, yeah, it's amusing. Right. Uh, Clemenza says it right after someone's been shot in the back of the fucking head. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, it's, and that's when I realized that like, yeah, the Godfather, it's been around 50 years. It's a very quotable movie. There are, there's imagery and there's, there are scenes that are iconic. They've been referenced in a, in a parody format, but also it's just been, it's been reduced. That was another word that I was to- that I was toying with was reduction. Uh, but okay. I chose trivialization because it takes this monumental film achievement from an artistic standpoint to say nothing of what it's doing thematically. And it's boiling it down to a few digestible context, free lines and scenes and, and, and it's just not main, it's not holding on to any of the power. And that's not necessarily a new thing, but I do think that, cause I mean, you know, God knows like how many, uh, how many Simpsons episodes, like when Lisa first gets a pony, it is revealed. Uh, we see like, you know, uh, exterior of, of the house early in the morning. And then we see her bed. She pulls the covers back and there's the horse's head right there in her bed, but it's attached to an actual living horse. And that's when she realizes she's been given a pony. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's been parodied uh, a lot, but somehow even then I feel like that's a loving parody that almost in that almost invites you to engage with the film. And maybe I'm just looking at the Simpsons through rose colored glasses, but I do feel like in the last 20 to 25 years, probably just as a function of the internet, but I think it also escalated quite a bit with meme culture, which I'll talk about more in a minute. Uh, But just this idea of robbing film in general uh, sorry, film in particular and art in general, like robbing it of its weight and of its necessity and is boiling it down to what I am now referring to as trivia. And so th- there are other examples. That was that was the one that that was the one that set it off, though. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, a, a great example and a great distillation of what we're talking about. Um, I think the term that I would use for this sort of thing, you've mentioned memes. Memification is a big one, but the term I would use, I think is commodification. Sure. Like reducing a big work of art into, like you said, out of context snippets that are tradable, that, 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 yeah. that, that have some sort of online currency as uh, or not even online conversational, whatever currency um, that are uh, divorced from, what the film actually means. Whereas I think a, a parody like the Simpsons, like it knows that you, <coughs> that you know, the movie, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to know the movie. I think to the, the interviewer you were talking about, he wasn't making a comment on the scene, right? right? It was just, he was just t- taking the line out of context. And I think, um, yeah, the, 
to sound like an old man, an old man from 20 years ago, the internet is a big part of uh, yeah. uh, what's to, to blame for this sort of thing. Uh, but I feel like you, I, I, I feel like um, creatives or more likely the people pulling the strings and paying for things behind the creatives are in some senses driving this, this sort of, sure uh this sort of stuff like i feel like um there are maybe certain tv shows and even movies that like there is someone saying how memeable is this like how (laughs) like do you and like do you remember uh spider-man no way home was that the third one i I forget i get them mixed up it's Uh, homecoming far from home no way home. yes yes so no way home do you remember like the first still that they released from that movie was like Tom Holland, like running away from Doc Ock. Do you remember that? Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't on its own. It was like clearly taken from the middle of a shot. It was not like a very compelling frame on its own. And I feel like I, I saw multiple people accuse Disney of, of like they're, they're releasing this particular thing to try and make it a meme. Hmm. like him running away from something, whatever you can like put who, you know, uh, different captions or, or, or assign different personalities to the characters in the, in the yeah. shot. Um, and, uh, I do think that sort of thing, um, uh, happens <laughs> more. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I think that's all to say that, uh, commodification is maybe the, the way that I was thinking of it. Um, and, and you know what I was thinking, See, yeah, and and you're talking about when, at least in this particular instance, when the studio tries to do it itself. And I wasn't actually thinking of many examples of that. I was thinking more but about I think like it's all part of the. Same it's all part of it. It's all it's all connected. Um, because I know that a uh, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, uh, at the this last Oscar ceremony, when they had like a tribute to Pulp Fiction. And so they had John Travolta and Samuel Jackson, and Uma Thurman, like they're out like presenting. Uh, but the whole time they're like, like Travolta and Uma Thurman are kind of doing a little dance together. And uh, Samuel Jackson is, is giving the, you know, sort of doing the presentation, but incorporating little, little lines from Pulp Fiction, the little quotes. And don't get me wrong. Like that, that is a movie that is extremely quotable because the characters so often talk about, completely inane things so there is that but it infuriated jason as he was watching it he's like this it's like yes you have the actors doing it and that's the thing is i feel like the the poor actors just like with that godfather thing i was talking about like they kind of have to go along with it uh but uh but yeah so it's just like the this little bit that's meant to celebrate uh pulp fiction it's not celebrating it's just boiling again boiling it down to uh, you know about 12 lines that people are like hey i remember that royale with cheese i get it um without really getting to without really celebrating what the film actually is it's what people what pop culture has chosen to remember it as and invariably pop culture will never remember it as this incredibly serpentine story and a much deeper concept of, of redemption uh, in the face of ridicule in the face of immediate temptation, all that stuff that has to do with Samuel Jackson's character. Um, 
there's a lot going on in that movie. And, and I remember Jason said like this, this thing that would seem to celebrate it is doing exactly the opposite. And that's from the Oscars itself. Like, I don't know who, who compiled that. Uh, but that is not like fans that is, or, or, or not even fans. That's not like online people, like trying to do something that is something within the industry itself. Mm -hmm. That's like, Hey, you remember Pulp Fiction, right? And you probably remember these things. Okay, here you go. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, so I'm remembering now that Jason said that, and I agree with you. I do think that certainly the industry part of, of Hollywood, uh, does stand to gain, I think from the, uh, commodification, trivialization, whatever it memification of, of film, because it's like, Hey, you know, it, it's, it's basically a slogan, uh, for any product. Like, Hey, you remember this one line, right. From this movie, doesn't it make you want to maybe watch that movie again, or at the very least buy a t-shirt, whatever. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think that's, I think, I think this is going in, a, in an interesting direction. Do you remember speaking of this, um, when I, I think it was on this podcast that you learned about what I learned about from what, from the internet, um, the, and we're going to keep piling on Warner brothers, apparently in this episode, the, uh, the new space jam movie has a thing where, cause it's in like the server verse and like all the different like characters from everything from clockwork orange and Tim Burton's Batman, all this stuff are just like uh, the Iron Giant. Like they're all um, just there. I remember telling you about it, and I'll never, never forget. You said, "Why does that make me sad?" <laughs> and I think that's it's because of the same thing. It's like it's it's saying like this art that touched your life. It's just stuff. It's just yeah. It's no different than a trading card. It's 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 just a. Uh, 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 a meme, a commodity, a memento. Um, it doesn't represent the thing that it represents to you. Um, you're, you're foolish for thinking that all it's there, all it's there for is for you to recognize and to share in your recognition of it with the rest of the audience. And I would, uh, I would say ready player one is a similar thing, except it's not in the black. It's not in the background. It's, I mean, it is, but it's also in the foreground. Like, and it's why it bummed me out so much that Steven Spielberg directed it. Like there's a scene where our main character who, you know, you're in this thing called the Oasis where you can do whatever you want and you can drive whatever you want, look however you want. That's fine. And so our main character wants to, he drives a, a DeLorean, like specifically the back to the future DeLorean. Okay. Whatever. It's a, it's a fun car. It's no blues mobile, but whatever. Um, now is there I, I I haven't seen or read Ready Player One. Is there like when he gets the DeLorean, does that mean no one else in the Oasis can have a DeLorean? Because if it doesn't, there would be like it would be half DeLoreans, right? right. Yeah. Oh, it's uh it's the only one we see, but I did have that thought. It's like there's gotta be a lot of uh a lot of DeLoreans driving around, maybe some uh, Ghostbusters cars or whatever. Um <clears throat> but uh but yeah, so like, and there's a scene where driving the DeLorean, he is chased by the the Jurassic Park T-Rex. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, Steven Spielberg, he produced Back to the Future, right? And he uh, directed Jurassic Park. So this is kind of him just sort of acknowledging his own, and it, acknowledging his own impact on on pop culture. But all, I was also just dis, I was so disappointed in him as well. Because I was just like, <laughs> it's like, but, but, 
you understood how meaningful these these movies were uh, and what they were trying to do. Like, yes, they're entertaining and they're fun and they are part of the larger pop culture landscape. And if Ready Player One were commenting on that at all, which it is not, which is why I hate it, uh, it's it's profiting, not commenting. Uh then then I'd, I'd be OK with the inclusion of it. But as it is, uh, it is just like, hey, you remember the T-Rex, right? OK, here it is uh, completely free of any sort of context. We it's just it might be it might as well be any monster, but it's a recognizable monster. Uh, and Ready Player One, when I I've not read the book, but when I hear about some of the stuff in the book that didn't make it into the film, like one of the. Uh, in the book, the characters, they have to essentially memorize the entirety of war games, uh, the, the movie war games, and mm-hmm. they have to know every line. And when I hear that, it makes me sad to go back to what yeah. I said before, because <laughs> just like. And wh- what about war games? Well, in the in the context of the film, like the the, the guy who created the Oasis uh, was a big fan of the, of this eighties pop culture. And it's like, so he really liked it. Okay. Okay. Then what? And by making people memorize it, is he, is he helping them to like this thing as well? I'd say probably not because he's turning it into a horrible chore, but also it's like, it it goes back to the way my, my brother, uh, who's staying with, with me right now, he was asking what the, what the topic was tonight. And I, when I was describing it, I said, and this is certainly not the only thing that it's about. It's like, does it's he listen ne- to the show? Sometimes. Yeah. Oh. Hi, Matt. Uh, hello, Matt. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I said is like, it's knowing a lot about a movie, but not actually knowing a movie. And that is what ready player one feels like to me. That's what that war games thing feels like to me. It's what so much of this, it's what the, the, the space jam thing that you talked about, even though there, it's not even knowing a lot about the movie. It's just knowing that it exists and it ha- and, and capitalizing on some of its iconography. Um, and it's just, and it just makes, it's just so, it's just so not in the spirit of, of what I, of what you and I, think of when we think of movies yeah first off um again i haven't seen or read ready player one but you said that like it doesn't have it doesn't say anything about the yeah the movie has no, the no impulse, perspective or yeah. the impulse toward nostalgia um real quick just to uh, if the listeners haven't seen a movie that you and i both love uh under the silver lake is a movie that is a great movie yes. about the idea of like defining yourself through the things that you're nostalgic for absolutely um, Boy, Such a great movie. And the whole film is about that, but there's one scene in particular mm-hmm. where our main character is confronted by this person. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's funny. It is biting. It is powerful. It's touching. It's all of these things. It's uh, also and, bloody and, and very gory. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> Natalie, uh, I remember Natalie covering her eyes by the end of that scene. That also was like, you saw that movie when it was like brand new. That was a, uh, a very early pandemic, like one of the first weekends of like true, like lockdown that mm. Natalie and I watched that. And so I don't know. Do you have certain things? I don't know if you watch certain things during that time that will probably forever be colored by that time. Uh, it, uh, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. I remember like anytime I watch Bojack Horseman now, which is a lot, but when the like closing, it's specifically for some reason, the closing theme, you know, back in the nineties, that one. Oh yeah. Um, that immediately takes me back to like the first month or so of 
of, of lockdown and that weird feeling of being like <laughs> terrified of the world outside. Cause we didn't know how bad things, things were, yeah. but also weirdly like cocooned in this like never ending sleepover <laughs> type of feeling. Yeah. Like, we're all hanging out. We're like, now they and I are just hanging out and like ordering food and watching movies, watching TV. It should be fun, but also we're like existentially terrified of what is going on in the world right now. Anyway, yeah. so under under the silver, <laughs> the silver Lake, in addition to all the things that it actually means, also means uh, that hey, that's an episode. We should like do an episode about like movies that have meaning to us other than sure than the movies themselves because of the circumstances of the time or whatever than which we watched them. I guess we kind of do that sometimes when we talk, when we do, when we play our fun game over on the Patreon. Indeed. Um, yes. Which we haven't done in a while. Uh, Patreon.com slash battleship retention. There's just too many um, tie-ins these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was just a quick, meant to be just a quick aside about under the silver lake, but you and I can never do quick asides. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, the idea of, and this is something I've been thinking of. I've been going to Comic-Con for years and I still love Comic-Con, but as mm-hmm. this sort of like relationship with, with popular art has become more and more prevalent. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, uh, I still love Comic-Con, but it, I see a lot of it there and I always have. Uh, but this idea of like performative fandom that like, okay. you're not like being a fan of something doesn't count unless everyone knows you're a fan and knows you're a bigger fan. Like right. there's, there's almost like a competition among nerds to like, to, to, uh, to know the most. So something like memorizing all of, uh, all of, um, war games or, you yeah. know, um, I'll take someone else's. I, I can't remember who I saw saying this on, 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 on Twitter that like, uh, but was talking about people who like went to see Avengers Endgame like a hundred times in the theater. And it's like, at a certain point, that's not about how much you love the movie. That's yeah. about like showing off how big a fan you are or how loyal a fan you are, how dedicated a fan you are, whatever it's um, it's, it's tied up in, in, in all that. So um, yeah, but it's all this stuff that's like, it's not like to me, this is why like I have a lot of nerdy, um, interests, but in a social way, I'll never be a nerd because I don't care about that. I don't care who knows how much I love something, you know? I mean, I get on the podcast and talk about it, but it's not to show off to the listener. Like if yeah. I'm talking about, if I advocate for a movie, like under the silver, like, or, or say, I mean, that's not even a, uh, uh, an obscure movie. Like I advocate for an obscure, an obscure movie on here on this podcast. It's not because I'm trying to say like, look how much I more I know than you. It's because I'm saying this is a good movie that not a lot of people have seen. Yeah. You should check it out if you get a chance. That's, that's all I care about. Yeah. I mean the, what's interesting is like, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd about the Riddler as we know, but even then I haven't read every single Riddler comic book. I just kind of like, I like the design of the character. I like the way he's been played. I like the way he's been written in various uh, media. Um, and, and that's, that's it. So even then I'm sure there'd be people like who would say that I'm like a, a false uh, nerd about, about the Riddler. Cause I don't know everything about him and I have not engaged with every piece of media that, that the character has been a part of. Um, and increasingly I do think um, this is why, by the way, real quick, I, 
because I listen to probably spent, I spend probably half the time listening, half the time I spend listening to music, I'm listening to metal, but I never refer to myself as a metalhead. And it's mm-hmm. because of that thing of like metalheads are like super nerdy and super gatekeeping. And like, I don't want to put myself in a position where I can be like challenged on my knowledge of metal. Like, right. I like metal. I listen to metal a lot. I'm not going to like, yeah, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, oh, name every, you know, name every Mastodon song or something like that. Like, I'm not, I, I don't want to yeah. get into that kind of like uh, pissing contest, which um, I think happens a lot among uh, among nerds. And um, from what I understand, is even more common. Like, um, <coughs> if you have the uh, misfortune of being a female nerd, like, there's a lot of uh, sure. men who are like, prove you're a real fan. Uh, right. I shouldn't even say men, boys losers there you go and losers in other words and, uh, that's an Alex, Alex Trebek quote I do not recall uh, uh that quote um <laughs> it's uh I think our editor large Scott has shared it more than once I think on Twitter of just like the like you know getting to know the contestant part of Jeopardy and then Jeopardy like uh uh, I can't even remember what it was, but she was talking about something that she and her friends used to do that was like very nerdy. And she was like, you know, we're all big geeks or whatever. And Alex Trek just goes, losers in other words. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was meant to be like, yeah, you know, jovial. Yeah. But, but still, when he, when he says funny. it, it's hard to, hard to take it that way. Um, yeah. But you know what you're talking about? You're talking about actual trivia at this point. Uh, people obsessed right. with the trivia about a movie. And what's interesting is, you know, you and I are, uh, if not friends, we are friendly with two of the geeks from beat the geeks, um, yeah. the TV geek and the movie geek. And I would say we're friends with the TV. Geek. I feel like I'm yes, friends. That's, with that Gobel. is true. Yes. Yes. Um, and then Mark. Yeah. Like we've, we've spoken to him like on the podcast a couple of times. And what's interesting is like, yes, they know a lot uh, about movies and, and TV, but that's not where it ends. Like, yeah, sorry. Yes. Mark (laughs) doesn't, he's never watched a single episode of television in his life. And he certainly has not memorized any facts from it. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, they know a lot about uh, you know, they know enough trivia that they, you know, become the, the official geeks on, on beat the geeks. But if they were only that we would not have had them had either of them on the show more than once, because it's just like, that's, it's it's a fun parlor trick, but it's only going to go so far as far as like a really in-depth discussion. And both of them have such a love for this medium that it has spilled over into memorizing facts about it. But it has never stopped being about the 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 thing itself and, and sort of theorizing about film and or TV and what makes that so wonderful of a medium. And there have been times when uh, when I see other other people like on on um, on Twitter or just or Facebook or just the Internet in general and just like their ability to just like rattle off facts. Um, and and I often have this weird feeling of inferiority. And then I think like, why? Mm-hmm. Why? Do, and, and then and it's like and it's possible this person could actually have an in-depth discussion that great. That's great. But the very fact that I can't do the trivia thing, there are times where I'm just like, does that mean I'm maybe I'm, you know, it doesn't take much to set up my imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that moment, it's just like, 
am I really as big a movie fan as I think? It's like, of course I am. Just because I don't remember, I, I can't tell you a specific, you know, uh, what what year a movie came out. I can tell you the general. It's like uh, within about the three or four years, this this way or that. Uh, but I don't necessarily know the year that every single film came out, even films that I absolutely love. Um, I always get, for example, like I never quite remember when the good, the bad and the ugly came out. It's either 66 or 68. I think it's 66. Cause I oh, think see, 68, I was say 68. Well, but then don't but, look, I'm going to look it up. But then when was once upon a time in the West? I feel like that might've been 68. And good and the man, the ugly is 66, but see, now I don't recall. You're right. 66. Okay. And then, so I knew it was one of those, uh, once and the, in the West is 68. Yeah. You had it right. Yeah. And, but the fact that I didn't know definitively and was kind of guessing, uh, someone would say, I'm sure someone out there would say like, Oh, well, I thought you liked these movies. Like I love these movies, but I love them for so much more than the year they came out. I do value knowing about the time in which they came out because that provides context for things contained within the film and the impact the film might've had on its time. But now we're really digging into like real film discussion. And so I don't mean to say like, Hey, you and I are doing this better, but I do think that like you and I do love this stuff. And when I see what, films are reduced to as far as the larger conversation, it does make me sad and it does make me frustrated. Like, for example, there is a meme out there, uh, a gif of Charles Foster Kane clapping. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah. Well, I teach, I teach film classes and I, te- and I will always show citizen Kane in almost every class I can show uh, that I can show it in. When that comes up, that's a powerful moment in the scene. And that's a powerful moment for his character. But invariably, some of my, I will hear an, oh, I'll hear that. <laughs> and it's the oh of recognition of, oh, that's where that meme comes from. And it's like, and some of it is just the fact of like, okay, well, th- of course they have not seen this film before uh, and all that. But at this point, it's like, there are people who have seen that meme and they don't even know that Citizen Kane is a movie they don't know that that meme is from it and they don't know the context of the meme. And, in, and so now that once they arrive at the film itself, uh, that meme and the recognizability of it uh, robs that moment of power. And that really, uh, that really, as a, as a Kane fan, it really bums me out. Um, but I also feel like I'm, I'm probably a little bit too sensitive about it. Yeah, but, we are. You know. We are. My version of that, that I always, people love, and it's, I understand why it's a great reaction meme on its own, but, uh, have you seen the, 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 the meme, um, or, or just the, the gif rather, um, that people use it's, it's Weebay from the wire going like, Oh, like realizing, like, yes. Oh, and it's like, it's funny on its own, but also I can never forget that that's him learning that he like shot a woman who turned out to be an undercover cop. And I'm thinking of Kima in the hospital bed and like, I'm yeah. thinking of all this terrible stuff. And like, that's not a, it's not a fun moment for me. It's funny yeah. when Weebay like puts too much hot sauce or too many peppers on his sandwich and then takes a bite. And then immediately is like, oh, I don't know. That's yeah. one of my favorite. <laughs> that's one of my favorite Weebay moments in, yeah. in the wire. And that's meant to be funny. Meme the hell out of that. Gift the hell out of that. Um, but, uh, but you're right. You and I probably are being a little too, um, 
sensitive. But um, oh, uh, I got off on this thing, and now I forget. Uh, forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. Hopefully, it'll come back to me. Um, and so when it comes to like memes, I I try to be less you know, less sensitive about it. And in the end, like, you know, you can't really help when somebody sees a movie that's 80 years old now and all that kind of thing. But, uh, but to me, I, I'm much more frustrated with, you know, the, the nature of those uh, interview questions and, and that sort of thing. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's kind of in general, just the, the frustration of, of being a movie person in the, in the modern era, I would say in particular, because I, this, this kind of thing just didn't really, I feel like it couldn't really happen. I'd say first it couldn't really happen until television came along because uh, I guess there are movies that, that parody and reference other movies, but Mm -hmm. in order to see those references, you have to watch the entire film uh, that that is, (laughs) that is making the reference, which means that you have to, you have to at least engage with that film in context um, where, and then when it's like, okay, well now there's TV. So now you don't even necessarily have to watch the entire series uh, to understand certain contextual references or, or whatever. Uh, you just have to watch that one episode and and then it's just really that one scene. Uh, and then it's, and now it's been boiled down to, you know, gifts. Um, and, and maybe in the end, it's all in its own way, a celebration of, of cinema, but I feel like, not necessarily as it is. It's, it's more like, Oh boy, this is going to sound really shitty. It's a, <laughs> it's a way of repackaging film so that you can own it without it ever being confusing, without it ever being more than you can handle. Uh, it's just a way it's like, I have this now. I, I beat it. I beat oh, this yeah. game, you know, it- Literally, yeah, like hundred percenting a video game. That's yeah. that's um, that ties so uh, uh, dovetails so well with something that I was another thing I was going to point out about um, just turning art into just like nuggets that you can use to like in video game terms like you know up your power or sure. whatever. <laughs> I, saw, I, saw next, I, just, I don't know anything about video games. Um, anyway, uh, but I was thinking about things. I love letterboxed as a tool yeah. yeah i'm not saying i'm a tool who loves letterboxd i'm saying I use well it. let's let's not uh <laughs> as I a think tool, I... I love letterboxd <laughs> uh, no being um, a tool as i am yes <laughs> i use letterboxd as a box as a as a tool for keeping track of of what i've seen when what my reaction was to it it's also very it's i and I, I've forgotten what it was like to do the movie journal without my letterbox diary because mm. I have it right there. And if I need to remember who directed it, who was in it or whatever, like, yeah, it's all there. And then I just go back to my list and it's all it's letterbox is so easy for that. But there's something about the, to go to, back to what I was saying about like the, the performative thing, there is something nerdy about, I mean, the stuff I'm talking about is obviously nerdy in a good way, but um, nerdy in that performative uh, competitive way, I think about like, logging movies and 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 treating movies as like another uh uh uh, a compliment you've earned like yep saw that cross it off the list saw that or add it to the you know um and uh because it it makes me think of like hearing that there are people who 
I'm not sure how you do this because I'm an old man. I don't know how uh, this is this is done. But like the idea of watching TV or movies at a sped up speed just to like get through them faster. It it sounds like what like why would you do that? Uh, that's does yeah. that even count as watching it at that at, yeah. at that point? Is the point of a movie to get through it? Yeah, yeah, and, and just get back to your life, or is it? is it actually about removing yourself from your life so that you can do this other thing completely? Uh, I would vent, I would vote for that. Now speak. There are plenty of people that are going to speed up this conversation that I get, you know what, maybe just yeah. skip it entirely, but I tried uh, doing that with certain, I can't like, do that either. I try like with certain, like, like a baseball podcast where I'm like, I'm not here for the banter. I'm here to learn about like, you know, it's a daily baseball, baseball podcast. I want to know what happened yesterday in the major, in yeah. major league baseball. I'll listen to it at one and a half times speed. <laughs> and I tried that for a while and I realized I wasn't retaining anything. Right. I listened to a whole thing. And it's like, yeah, I got through it faster, but I also, I don't remember if the Brewers won yesterday or whatever. I, it's all just gone right in one ear and out the other. I, I have to actually listen at normal speed to, to hear it. I think, I think an argument could be made that whether it be with film or a literal just conversation, we talk at a certain speed for a reason, you know what I mean? Uh, Because maybe that is how we can best retain uh, how we can best communicate, but also how we can best retain what other people are saying. And when we speed it up, yeah, we might get through it and we might pick up on a few things, but I'll, I'll bet not nearly as many uh, as if we listen to it at normal speed. Now, of course, if you do what I do, which is uh, listen to it at, um, at half speed, just so that you can hear everyone sound drunk and have a little laugh with yourself. uh, Then, you know, that's a whole different, that is an art form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and so I do think that the idea of, of whether it be with letterbox and then there, there are various, uh, websites that will have like a list and P and anybody can make them like the list of the 100 best, this or 50 most this oh, or whatever yeah. it is. I am obsessed. I will admit I'm obsessed with like list challenges and trying yeah. to figure out, Oh, how many of these have I, have I seen? Yeah. Uh, but I also don't share it generally. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's me. just, it's just for me. Uh, and, and feel bad ver- about myself. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But I also try to think it's like, okay, uh, I consider myself a fan of a certain genre or whatever. And then I notice like, Oh, there is like out of this hundred, there are like 25 that I haven't seen. And that doesn't mean I'm not a fan of the genre, but it does mean I can have a deeper understanding of it. If I go and watch these movies, not to, not to cross them off the list. Like I may have gotten them from a list, but crossing them off is not the issue. It's about someone thinks that this is very special and worth watching and that it, it plays a role in the larger conversation. And I would like to, I would like to engage with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's but it's also splitting hairs. Like, of course, it's it can be fun to cross something off the list and say, ah, at long last, I've seen that. But for you and me, it's like, OK, you've seen it. What do you remember about it? How did it make mm-hmm. you feel? Uh, how does that impact the way you view other films? Um, and that sort of thing. To me, that is that's the much more meaningful aspect of film watching. Uh And as opposed to, you know, boiling everything down to a few quotable lines and in doing so quite possibly missing the point of the scene that 
the line is in, uh, you know, yeah. to go back to that. <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, this is the second time I'll, um, mention a clockwork orange episode and i'm almost certain i've told we've been doing this show for 15 years i'm certain yeah. i've told this story before but when i was like i was like in middle school when i saw a clockwork orange yeah like eighth grade um because my a friend of mine his dad like had the tape and i was like oh you've you've seen clockwork orange i've never seen it and he was like uh he was like yeah i'll lend it to you and i was like is it good and he <laughs> you'll see what I'm going to do. And then you'll have to describe it. But he, he goes, he goes, Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. So he's, 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 uh, simulating the outline of, of breasts, uh, yeah, that was my uh on his eighth chest. Grade friends take away from a clockwork orange. There's a lot of tits in it. <laughs> now, strictly speaking, not even wrong. In, yeah. <laughs> even in eighth grade, I was mature to when I watched it. I'm like, this is not, like exciting or arousing this is horrifying and it's like hey look you know when, when you're a certain age you'll take what you can get but at the same time there there is such a thing as context yeah uh like <laughs> hey you know what it, uh, uh, c- hey confession time uh the scene where the attractive young woman gets out of the bathtub in the shining uh-huh. I, pl- I when i first saw that film i was probably seventh or eighth grade uh i watched that scene a couple of times and then of course it turns into a fucking zombie girl and i was yeah. like well you kind of ruined that for me yeah, ruined. um but uh but yeah it's 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 ridiculous to think uh in those terms but really it's not it's not that different it's instead of nudity it's hey there's this funny line or hey there's there's yeah. a goofy thing whatever it is like it it scratches that itch if that's all you're looking to do but if you're looking to view it as as this larger engaging work of art, then not only uh, will it be more fulfilling, but also that itch that you want to scratch, you'll realize like this is not the way to do it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, OK, we got to wrap up, but I'm going to tell uh, <laughs> as long as we're telling embarrassing stories about us being like gross little pervy boys. Yeah. Um, the, so the the rules for the MPAA have changed over time. You know, mm-hmm. you notice like you watch Spaceballs, it's rated PG. There's there's a fuck. They yeah. say fuck at the end. Uh, I think there's a, I think Eight Men Out is PG and Christopher Lloyd says fuck at one point. Yeah. But there's also, there's a movie called 18 again. It's one of those body swap movies where George Burns uh, oh, okay. uh, uh, goes into the body of his like uh, college freshman, like grandson or whatever. And there's a scene he's taking an art class at the college and there's a nude model. It's a PG movie, but there's a nude model in the scene, I guess, because it was completely like, and I think, you know, I'm, I, I like that non prudish way of like, there's nothing yeah. sexual about this. It's, it's just a, a, a naked woman, but maybe making the argument for this, not being in a PG 13 movie. I just, my mom must've thought like, oh, David really likes 18 again. He's like, ask me to reference 18 again, again. She's like, oh, man, David loves the classic comedians, uh, which would turn out to be true. But yes, I really did. I I really was like outside of that. I was a big George Burns fan as a kid because I was a weird kid. (laughs) I think to this day, the only film that I have seen George Burns in is uh, the Sunshine Boys, for which he won uh, an Oscar. Uh, I've not seen Oh God or any of the other really any of the other films he's he's been in. Um, that is definitely an oversight, uh, on my, on my part, but, um, nothing to do with anything, but, uh, because I was making a point about letterboxd, I opened up my letterbox <coughs> yeah. and I was reminded, 
of our mutual friend, friend of the show, Ryan O'Leary. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow him on Letterboxd. His thing that I he do. does, and he, he said when he does, he comes up with a little review before he's even seen the movie. So he Indeed. writes these before he's seen the movie. So I guess he watched uh, Fatal Attraction earlier today, and his review is, keep your friends close and your Glenn's closer. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Ryan. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, Ryan, he's always a lot of fun. He's a... Yeah. Uh, for for a guy that's so uh sort of monotone, he uh, he can hit it out of the park sometimes. Um, but yeah, All right, so we've gone way off way far yeah, field. We should wrap yeah, up. Yeah, and I'm I'm fine to to wrap up right now. Um, <clears throat> and there there are so many other types of examples uh, that I'm sure I'm not even thinking about. Uh, I'm not even going to bother bringing up cinema sins. Um, although I that's guess I I guess I have I have done that now. Is but that I'm not still going around though? Still around. Still, well, I feel like I haven't seen one since like Dark Knight Rises. Maybe I just like checked out. Oh, it's they've definitely done more since then. Although now that I think about it, I haven't seen one that recently. Uh, so maybe they don't do them so much anymore. But I think they've definitely done it since then. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Um, I'm looking it up too. Not that I'm going to talk about it at length. Um, let's see, cinema sins. Oh yeah, they just did one. Uh, oh good God, I just even looking at their YouTube channels infuriating. Uh, yeah, they just did one for Sing Two. They just did one for Predator Two. I refuse to believe that there are any. There's Sing Sing Two is unassailable. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Sing Two. And as a way of of bringing in a couple of different. If Sing uh, Two does it, it's not a cinema sin. <laughs> Uh, I love that line from Frost Nixon. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, and by the way, like to, to sort of bring in uh, other criticisms, isn't it, isn't it interesting that when you watch a cinema sins video, if you can make it to the end, um, (coughs) although I guess you'd pick up on it pretty much immediately. It's like, it's it, it, the, the voiceover feels sped up. Uh, it's almost like they're trying to get through it uh, the way people try to get through other things. Uh, Like they recognize like, look, we're not doing anything of value at all, even comedically. Uh, Let's just get through this so we can all go about our lives. Uh, And they're still tremendously popular, but boy, uh, that this is definitely cinema sins is an example of, of what I'm talking about where it's just, there's nothing funny about it. Nothing engaging about it. You just really feel like they're, they're, they're adding nothing to any conversation ever. Uh, and so, uh, and I, and I, I would go into more detail, but it is the end of the show. So that's like, and then, and so then there's, there's stuff like that as well. Reaction videos, all that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I'm sure there are, there are other examples that we're thinking of, uh, that, that can be, that can be brought up that we're not thinking of, pardon me. Uh, so feel free to leave those in the comments. And also if you feel like we're just a couple of cranky old men, which by the way, we kind of are, uh, at this yeah. point, uh, oh. then feel free to weigh in on that as well. I was at an event last night and I was at a table with a very young man, very nice, um, uh, but he asked me, well, now this might make, he asked me if I'd ever heard of BTS, the, the biggest group in the world, the Korean K-pop. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That is what I thought it was. Yeah. I, I can't tell you. I mean, I knew it was K-pop, but that's yeah. basically it. But I'm saying even you know about that. 
Yes. And that's and really like, something. I was like, how old does this young man think I am? Or like, at what point does he think people stop knowing about the culture? Uh, but anyway, I, uh, I laughed in his face and made him feel bad. I imagine uh, no. once you, once you get some white in your beard, people are like, you don't know BTS. And I don't mean to act like, as though I'm like super cool or awesome because I know, cause that's where it ends. I know that they exist because, no, yeah, because I've seen them on magazines while I'm at the grocery store yeah. and that's but, it. Um, but I actually did like halfway through that story. I was like, maybe Tyler doesn't know because there have been things. Oh yeah. That you haven't known that have surprised me. Especially if it's music based, there's always a good chance that I, that I uh, won't know, but with my limited knowledge of, of K-pop and this is actually where it's handy that I am a teacher because I, that I, and I teach people sure, that are yeah. 20 plus years younger than myself um, is sometimes they will reference movies or TV shows or bands that I have not heard of. Uh, and then they tell me a little bit about them. Like, okay, that's all right. That's good to know a little. And in some cases, like that, in some cases, like that doesn't sound good to me, but in other cases, like I've heard from a lot of people about umbrella Academy on Netflix and it sounds good to me. I would like yeah. to actually watch it. And I knew nothing about it. I think I had maybe passed it up on Netflix, but I didn't really take heed. Um, but yeah, no, I, you, you were right to pause before you, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, Cause my first thought was like BTS. It's like, I'm pretty sure that's a K-pop band and they might not even say band. They probably say group. Yeah. I don't know. See, that's where I, that's where I really, it's like uh outfit, uh, you know, whatever they call it. Is that the name of the outfit? <laughs> uh, well, never not funny reference. Yeah. All right. We're way off track. So, uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. So you can find uh, movie reviews and, and other podcasts. Uh, you can email us at David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me. <laughs> david on twitter at davy pretension also make sure make sure to check out my other podcast the one where i met your mother where my wife natalie and i watch an episode of friends an episode of how i met my mother met your mother we compare contrast talk about fashion what was going on in the world days the episodes aired and all other sorts of things it's the one where i met your mother check that out and uh tyler where uh, tyler's on twitter at tyler pretension tyler where can people uh, what do you have to plug I forgot uh, like uh, everything I say. I, I, I fucked up the, the tweak, Dad. I've done it before, where like if if you say one wrong word, yeah, so it's like oh, I'm totally off uh, off the rails. Uh, I don't really have anything to plug except uh, I've been writing a lot more uh, for Battleship Pretension. I yes, have reviews of uh, going back a few weeks, like Thor: Love and Thunder, Shut In, Terror on the Prairie, Thirteen Lives, They Them. Um, I guess I should say, I think officially I'm supposed to say they slash them. Cause like that's, it's, it's meant to be, movie. it's meant to barely, uh, it's yeah. not very good. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I need to remember like, that's, that is the way they'd prefer I say it, but, uh, but yeah, so you can check out those reviews at battleship pretension.com. All right. Um, I guess that's it. Thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.